Thank you, Father, that it's your good pleasure uh, to unveil Christ in our midst. Lord, we just thank you that uh, your language has always been Christ, that you've only ever been speaking Christ. Just thank you, Lord, that you poured out of yourself your Holy Spirit to unveil Christ in our midst, to uh, interpret your speech for us um, so that we could see you speaking Christ um, from the beginning all the way to the end, that that's the only thing you've ever been speaking. Thank you, Father, that uh, your language, your doctrine, that's Christ, uh, is, is unto stability in our lives and that our lives can be stabilized and that we'll no longer be double-minded about what you've had to say to us, but we'll find the stability that comes from knowing you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen. Glory to God. I know in the, the, what, we, what we call the grace camp what i come to realize is i just preached the gospel and i realized a lot of the things i preached when i first come out of egypt wasn't really the gospel it was just me grappling with what it means that we're no longer under the law so i know a lot of the things that i might say today can be shocking to a lot of the grace uh quote unquote grace people right but what i found in in my grace walk um if you want to call it that is that i came out of egypt but then there was a period of time where my understanding of what all that was left me wandering in the wilderness. And I never really entered into the promised land. And I didn't realize it, but I was double-minded. My understanding of grace, it was a good thing what I saw there. There was a good portion of what I saw there, enough to lead me out of Egypt, but I still had this double-mindedness about God and what God said that had left me wandering in the wilderness, so to speak, and never really entering the promised land. Right. Because if you think God was saying something different in the past to what he's saying now, that's going to cause confusion inside of you. You have like a two faced God. You ever heard somebody say about somebody that they're two faced? And what do you mean? They say something different over here than what they say over here. Well, what I realized is even though I had come out of Egypt, I still had this confusion about the utterances of God or the oracles of God. I still had this confusion about what God said in the past with comparison to what I saw him saying in Jesus now. And that caused great instability in my heart that I didn't realize until I finally saw what led me, what would lead me into the promised land, which is that God was always saying the same thing. He was never saying something different. And that's actually what led me into the promised land. And what's interesting is when that really got rooted down inside of me is when I was reading Deuteronomy, which is the book Moses gave to the Israelites so they would enter into the promised land. And it's actually... The, 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 the name Deuteronomy means the words of the law or the logic contained in the law or the utterances are the oracles that are in the law. And as I read through Deuteronomy, all of a sudden I started seeing Moses over and over telling the people, when you get into the promised land, don't be confused and think that it's by the strength of your hand that you got in there. That the buildings were already built, the houses were already there, the vineyards were already planted. Don't you go into the promised land and think that it's by your strength that you have all these things. And Moses was unveiling the law for them. He was telling them how the law didn't speak of the good works they could do, but the law was actually unveiling to them all the good things God did to lead them out of Egypt without their strength. Whoa, because when I came out of grace, my whole idea was, well, the law was all the time telling me all the things I had to do to make God happy. And that was my concept of the law. And so I thought God wanted me to do all these things. But then because I'm such a wretch and I could never get it right, he then had mercy on me and changed the way. 
Well, once I started reading Deuteronomy right, I started seeing that the works of the law were actually painting a picture of the faithfulness of God and His work. The works of the law were never about me performing the works for God so that God could be happy. The works of the law were always trying to paint a painting of the work that God would do. And so I've been twisting on the letter of the Hebrews lately, maybe because our good friend John Fazio is translating Hebrews right now, and so I'm reading his things, and so my mind is there. But today I want to look at the, the letter to the Hebrews, and I want to look at the doctrine contained in the law so that we could see what the law actually says, right? We, 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 it's important in the maturation process or in the maturity of a believer to understand the message contained in the law. If you don't understand the message contained in the law, and you, you, you have a perverted vision or understanding of what God was saying through the law, it'll leave you double-minded and unstable in all your ways because you, you'll have a two-faced God, a God who said one thing one day and a God who says a different thing a different day. And what I found was in seeing God as having said two different things, it left me in the place where I was always struggling to believe I was righteous because I sat with this image of the law, which is that God wanted me to do all these things, and he was very unhappy that I didn't do these things, and because he was so unhappy with me, look what he did to Jesus. And now all of a sudden, well, he doesn't care if I do these things. He loves me anyway. Well, I sat with this confusion that left me in the place where every time I saw the fruit of death coming out of me, I sat with an image or a history where I saw that made God very unhappy. And it didn't matter how many times I said that God was no longer judging me for my sin. I had a history with the God who was judging me. And so there was never any stability. But I would have confessed all the time. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God doesn't remember my sin anymore, but I was remembering it. And the reason I was remembering it is because I had an image of the law where I thought God was holding it against me. And you might say, well, Greg, doesn't the scripture say that the law was the remembrance of sin? Well, it's not the remembrance of sin like we think. The remembrance of sin is this God trying to show us that because we were trusting in our own works for life, our sin was serving us with death. Because we were trying to perfect ourselves from the death in the world, we were heaping destruction upon ourselves. And God was trying to teach us that. And so it's very important in the maturity of a believer to understand the utterances that God spoke when he gave the law. It's very important. You know, a baby has to first be fed milk before they can mature onto strong meat, right? They have to receive nutrients from the milk. And they got to first be able to digest the milk, right? And the baby sometimes can even struggle to digest the milk, right? But once they digest the milk and their body receives strength, they receive nutrients from that milk, then they're able to move on to the strong meat. So if we don't know what the law was teaching all along, if we don't understand what was going on there, if we're unskilled in the message that's contained in the law, it can be difficult for us to live our lives in this world by the faith that was revealed in Jesus Christ. We can know there is such a thing as the faith. We can all the time talk about it out of our mouths. But if we sit with the heart that says God said something different back then than he said now, there's inconsistency. And it's causing confusion and chaos inside of us. And it's keeping us from entering the promised land. Right? Does that make sense? Do you guys see that? I mean, the Israelites, when they received the law, they didn't understand what the law was talking about. So they're wandering in the wilderness. They didn't understand that the law talked about the good work God would do to give them the land as a gift. That's why it's called the promised 
land because God promised to give it to them. Well, if he promised to give it to them, that meant that it would be by his works, not their working the law. And that's what the law was trying to tell them. Not by strength of your hand will you inherit this land, but by strength of my hand. And all these works that you see in the law, they're all painting a picture for you of the strength in my hand and what I'll do to cleanse you from death, what I'll do to provide myself a lamb to sanctify you from sin, what I'll do. That's what they were all talking about. And since we're talking about the the letter to the Hebrews, if you look at the, the people in the letter to the Hebrews, they had believed on Jesus. Like the Messiah came, hallelujah, we believe on Jesus. I mean, these people were saved eternally. They, they saw Jesus came. He's the Messiah. Hallelujah. But if you're reading the letter to the Hebrews, those guys weren't looking to the faith that was revealed in Jesus. That's why the whole letter is there. And do you know why they weren't looking to the faith that was revealed in Jesus? Have you ever stopped and wondered why? Because it's right there in the letter. I know we've gotten to the place where, no, 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 we don't want to understand. No, 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 I don't want to understand. I don't want to read the scriptures. I don't, I don't And there's no shame for you if you don't want to read the scriptures. If you don't want to read the scriptures, that's okay. But don't despise hearing about the scriptures. Right? You see the difference there? Do you know why they weren't looking to the faith that was revealed in Jesus? They got caught up in trying to perfect their own lives from the sin and death in the world. And do you know why they got caught up in picking up the weight of perfecting themselves from the sin and death in the world? The reason why they got caught up in that is because they didn't understand the law properly. They sat with this idea that God said something different here than he says there. The author of Hebrews even comes and says that you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. I know this shocks the grace people. He's talking about they don't understand the law. The law was the word of righteousness. Paul comes in Romans 9 and talked about the law of righteousness and how Israel didn't attain unto the law of righteousness. Why didn't they attain to the law of righteousness? Because they didn't see that the law of righteousness spoke of God's righteousness towards them and it spoke of having faith towards God and what he would do to preserve their lives. They looked at the law of righteousness and they thought it was about the righteousness they would establish themselves. They were unskilled in the word of righteousness. So even though after Jesus came and after he provided himself as the lamb to remove the death that was reigning over the world, they still had this idea where the law was about what they would do to perfect themselves from sin and death. And that left them not looking unto the faith that was revealed in Jesus. That left them still trying to perfect themselves from death. And if I'm just being honest, I love the body of Christ, but I'm no longer ashamed to acknowledge where we're at. And I promise you where we're at is we're still trying to perfect ourselves from the sin and death that's in this world. And one of the reasons why we are is because we still are unskilled in the word of righteousness. We're still in need of milk. And the milk is understanding what the law really said. That's the milk. If you think the law preaches a different message, then it's preached through Jesus. It's going to be a struggle for your heart to go to rest in the work of God. And it ain't going to be because you don't want to go to rest in the work of God. It's going to be you sit with the contrary view of God in your heart. You can't go to rest in a person if you're like, well, they did this and they do that. They did this and they do that. Well, they did this, but now they do this. And then we play all these mental gymnastics trying to convince ourselves why they're different now than they were then. And then we, convince, we come up with all these horrible man-made doctrines about, we have a contract, don't you know? 
And then we, we boil down our relationship to God to a contract instead of the love he's always felt in his heart for us. Well, no, no, this guy's not going to smite me anymore because we got a contract. You think that's going to cause you to rest in the work of God? I promise you it ain't. <laughs> oh, glory to God. It, it's, it, if you think that God preached something different in the law than he did in Jesus, it's going to be a struggle for, it's going to rob you of the stability that comes from the God who's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Because that's the stability you need. The stability of knowing that this God is the same. He's always been the same. Because he, if you don't think he's the same, then that means he can change. Why do you think we feel like that with people in our lives when we think they behave differently here than they did there? You find yourself resting in their presence? You do not, do you? Does someone have to tell you not to rest in their presence? Nah, you just know. There ain't no rest here. I got a guard, right? Does that make sense? You guys following that? So we're going to look at uh, Hebrews chapter 5. And that's where we're going to pick it up. And we'll read through the first couple of verses in chapter 6. Hebrews 5 verse 12. For when for the time, and go back and read these guys with yourselves. Engage with one another about what we say here. Talk with each other about what this means and what you see. Let the conversation continue and see what the Lord builds inside of you, right? And then come to some of the Bible studies and bring out what you see. Right? It's a beautiful thing to talk to your friends and your, your loved ones and your spouses about the scriptures and what you see there, what's being ministered to you. You don't just need me to tell you and then you walk away with nothing. Let what I say stimulate something in you. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Just to give everybody like a, 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 a index or a glossary of definitions. Milk equals the law. Milk equals the law. Strong meat equals the faith revealed in Jesus. Milk equals the law. Strong meat equals the faith revealed in Jesus. So I'll start that over again. For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those maturity, full age is maturity. They've come into the stature of sonship. Right? They're no longer in need of tutors and governors. They're no longer in need of the elementary teachings or the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. They see the fullness of the doctrine of Christ, and that's what they're feeding on now. Right? Now, they can't get there unless they first understand the milk. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. 
Now, to give you guys a couple, another index in those passages, the first principles of the oracles of God, when the author of Hebrews says that, and the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that word principle means beginning. So the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. So we have them talking about the first principles of the oracles of God and the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. Those two things are talking about the same thing. And both of those things are talking about the law that was given to Moses. Okay? That's what both those things are talking about. And so what the author of Hebrews says there is that the law that was given to Moses, it laid a foundation where we were introduced to a teaching that would be unto us repenting from dead works and believing on God instead of ourselves. It, it, it laid the foundation from where we could begin to understand those things. That's what he's describing there. Okay? So the first principles of the oracles of God, the beginning of the doctrine of Christ, it's talking about the law. That's what these guys didn't understand. They didn't understand the word that was given in the law. The oracles of God, when it uses the word oracles, do you know what that word means in the Greek? It means utterance. And more specifically, it means prophetic utterance. And so the oracles of God is God prophesying. And it's him prophesying Christ. That's what it is. He's prophesying of Christ. The oracles of God is him unveiling Christ in our midst, and it's him unveiling his eternal purpose in Christ. That's what he's unveiling there. It's God unveiling Alpha and Omega. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, you guys have not understand the beginning of God unveiling Alpha and Omega. So it's very difficult for you guys to move on to the strong meat or to find your lives shaped by the faith that was revealed in Jesus because you haven't understood the beginning doctrine that was introduced to you about Christ through the law. You've never seen what that was. So that leaves you double-minded, being tossed to and fro, where you keep going back to your perverted view of what the law was talking about. And you keep trying to judge life and your life with God by that law, even though you believed on Jesus. You know what's interesting about that word utterance in the Greek? Do you know what the Greek word is? Logion. And do you know what logion comes from? Logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word was made flesh. Logos. That's that word for word. And so the author of Hebrews comes and tells these guys, you didn't understand the, the introduction God gave you to the Logos. You didn't understand the things he said to you when he was trying to introduce you to the Christ and what he would do through the Christ. We know you didn't understand because here you are trying to perfect your own lives from sin and death instead of seeing what he would do to preserve your life from sin and death, to sanctify you from sin and death. Right? You following that? If you read in Romans 3, the Apostle Paul he calls the oracles of God the law. He says the law is the oracles of God. That's what he says about the law. The law is the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. It's the first principles of the word of God. And you might be thinking, how can that be? Because you're still sitting double-mindedly. Didn't the law introduce us to the lamb? When did we first hear about the lamb that God would provide? Wasn't that in the law? What, what about all the baptisms, the cleansings? 
What was that about? Was that about us cleansing ourselves or was it about how God would cleanse us? What about the, the temple? Didn't the law introduce us to how God would reconcile the world back to himself? I mean, that's what the temple, earthly tabernacle, was all about. It was prophesying. It was introducing us to what God would do to join heaven and earth. That's why you had the high priest that was earthy entering into the holiest place, which was heavenly. And you had heaven and earth colliding. And you had a guy that was going to lead heaven and earth into a collision. It wasn't God telling us about how we're going to get ourselves into the holiest place. It wasn't God telling us about how we needed to cleanse ourselves from sin. It wasn't God telling us about what we needed to do so we can be reconciled to him. It was God prophesying to us through the law about what he would do through Jesus to reconcile us to himself. They didn't see that, though, when they read the law. I mean, the, the law, the, the temple, the tabernacle was an introduction to what God would do to create mankind in the image of his glory and what he would do to glorify all of creation with his life. The law introduced us to that. We didn't see that, though. Do you know why? We broadened our phylacteries. Some of you like, what does that mean? You remember when Jesus said, woe is you, scribes and Pharisees, you broaden your phylactery. You know what a phylactery was? It's a thing they had wrapped on their arm and on their head. Within that was supposed to be contained the teaching that was contained in the law. Well, you know, the only things they had written on there was the works that God did when he led them out of Egypt. You know what they added in there? All the things they decided they needed to do so they could inherit the blessing of life. The Apostle Paul talking about the law in his letter to the Galatians, says the law is a shadow of the good things to come in Christ. The law is the shadow of Christ. Now, the shadow might not give you the ability to see the detail of a person, but isn't the shadow the same thing as the person? Okay, so if the law is the shadow of Christ, then how can we say the law is different than Christ? It's not different from Christ. The law is just a less detailed image of what God would do in Christ. And now we see Jesus and we see what the law was always talking about. And what helps us move on to living in this world by the faith that was in Jesus's heart when he was crucified is if we see that that's what the law was always pointing to also. Paul says in Galatians, the law is a shadow of the good things to come. He says, before faith came in Jesus, we were kept under the law, and he says the purpose that we were kept under the law for was so that we could be shut up unto the faith that would later be revealed in Jesus. Now, when I first came out of Egypt, and I didn't even realize I did this, I had such a perverted view of the law, I still read it through the carnal mind, thinking it talked about what I needed to do instead of talking about what God would do. I read that verse that said that we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith. And do you know what I read into the text? Shut out from the faith. We were kept under the law and we were shut out from the faith. But that's not what it says. It says shut up unto the faith. Do you know what shut up in the Greek means? It doesn't mean to be shut out. Wait for it. It means to enclose something on all sides. It means to shut two things up together. It means to lock them in a room together. 
So, while we were babes, waiting for the faith that would come in Jesus to be revealed, God was trying to enclose us on all sides through the law with the faith that would later come in Jesus. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm not, though. Because the Grace Church has been wandering in the wilderness and they don't even know it. Paul goes on to say the law was like a tutor and a governor to us. What do you think it was tutoring and governing us into? It wasn't tutoring and governing you into the place where you were going to now give yourself life by performing the works of the law. You think God doesn't know you can't give yourself life by what you do right? You think God's tempting you to, to give yourself life? You think that's what he's trying to teach you through the law? That if you can bring forth his fruit, then he'll accept you? Do you really think God's telling you that? Because that would be for God to tempt you with evil. So the law was like a tutor and governor to us while we were babes in need of milk. And what it was doing to us, it was trying to keep us locked up in the faith until Jesus would be revealed, until he would be revealed later. And so that's why Paul would come and say, the law was a schoolmaster to us, bringing us to Christ. If you think the law is saying something opposite as Christ, it ain't bringing you to Christ. <laughs> it's pointing to something completely different. It's not pointing to the faith that would later be revealed in Christ. The way it points to the faith that would later be revealed in Christ is all those works of the law were painting a picture of the faith that would later manifest. It's a schoolmaster bringing us to Christ. It brings us to Christ. You know how it brings us to Christ? By laying the foundation from where we would lay aside the weight of perfecting ourselves from the sin and death in the world. You know how it leads us to Christ? It lays the foundation from where we would lay aside the weight of trying to perfect ourselves from the sin and death in the world and instead look to the work God would perform. That's how it brings us to Christ. It lays the foundation from where we could see the work of God. This guy is going to perfect us from sin and death. Look at the altar. Look at the temple. Look how he joins heaven and earth. Look how he cleanses us from sin by offering himself a lamb. Look at the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at the atonement, how he's going to restore creation, the restoration of all things. It laid the foundation from where we would no longer think that we could perfect ourselves from sin and death by our own working which would make it easier to walk out of trying to perfect ourselves from sin and death when the Christ did show up. <laughs> it's like trying to build a house without the beginning of the foundation. It's like if you just come and lay a slab of concrete without putting in those two-by-fours first, right? Like digging out the ground and putting in those two-by-fours to get the section right, and then you pour the concrete on. It's like not doing any of that and just coming and pouring the concrete on. What do you think you're left with? That's what we've done with Christ and the law. The law came, it was supposed to be the two by four, the digging out, the lane, the wane, and then the concrete is Christ. Well, we don't get the two by fours because we come with the wrong interpretation of the law. Ah. The law showed us, this is what the law showed us. This is what it's supposed to show you. That trusting in your own works for life is causing death to reign over you. It's supposed to show you 
I know. I know why you're looking to your own works. Because death is in the earth. And so you want to be perfected from it. And so the law showed us we could never perfect ourselves from sin and death. And it came and it showed us that God would provide the lamb that would perfect us from the sin and death that we long to be perfected from. Right? That's why the law talks about rest. Doesn't the law prophesy of rest? Well, doesn't Jesus now come and he's our rest? What we see in Jesus serves us with rest. Why does it serve us with rest? Because we see that God did a work to cleanse us from death. And we were persuaded we ain't got to cleanse ourselves from sin and death. This guy did it. You guys following that? Now, I'll just pose some questions that people could think like me. And people that know the scriptures. My good friends in grace. That every time I come talking this language, it's like I'm talking in tongues. Because it does not compute. It does not compute. They felt so much pain under the wrong understanding of the law that anytime you come talking about the law, they don't hear what it really says. All they hear is the pain they felt under the law. Well, you felt pain under the law because you didn't see what it said. And now your whole life's been born from rebelling against the law. That's not life. It's rebellion. And if the law and Jesus are saying the same thing, I hate to break it to you, and there's no shame for you in this place. I was there. If the law and Jesus are saying the same thing, and you're rebelling against the law, you're rebelling against a portion of the doctrine of Christ. Now, how do you think that's going to work out inside of you experiencing the love of God? It ain't going to help. You need stability to experience the love of God. You need confusion about God to be removed. You need confusion about what God desires for you to be removed. You need confusion about what God wanted from you to be removed. And if you're busy thinking God wanted you to produce good fruit so he could be happy with you, and you think that's what the law was saying, listen, man, you're dwelling in confusion. You might say, but Greg, doesn't Galatians say the law is not of faith? Ministers, if you're watching, don't be afraid to address the verses that sound like they contradict what you want to say. Don't hide. Bring them out. The ones that, ref think, that seemingly refute what you say, bring them out in the open. Let's talk about that. What does God say? Come, let us reason together. Doesn't Galatians say the law is not of faith? Well, if you go back and read the context there, the context that Paul's talking about the law there, if you read the verse right before it, he's talking about performing the works of the law, not the message contained in the law. So what he's really saying there is that the, performing the works of the law to be justified, that's not of faith. That's contrary to faith. And the reason why he brought that up is because the Galatians thought they could be justified by performing the works of the law. And he comes and reveals to them, listen, guys, you can't be justified by performing the works of the law. That's not of faith. And if you're looking at the law as if it's telling you you can be justified by performing the works of the law, you don't understand the law because the law is not contrary to the promise of God. The law comes alongside and declares God's promise to serve you with life. And so here's the thing, guys. The law, this is what the law never said. Because we look at the law, we read all these thou shalt and thou shalt nots, and we don't rightly divide the word of truth. And we come up with our own conclusions. This is what the law never said. The law never said justification was found in performing the works of the law. Never said that. 
never declared that. As I said in the introduction, Romans 9 says that Israel thought after the law of righteousness, but did not attain to the law of righteousness. Well, you know, Israel didn't just try to, to they broaden their phylacteries. I mean, they were busy doing the stuff. If you think the Pharisees weren't doing the stuff, you don't know. Those dudes are fasting and praying like you can't even imagine. Those dudes are performing every single thing in the law. Paul comes and said they were seeking the, the righteousness that the law prophesied of, but they never attained to it. And then he says something magnificent that I always missed when I first came out of Egypt. He says, why didn't they attain to the righteousness the law spoke of? He says, because they sought it by performing the works of the law instead of faith toward God. The law was all the time prophesying that justification is found in God's strength to serve you with life being lifted up in your heart. And they didn't attain to that. Because they saw, they didn't see that the law said that. They read the law through the carnal mind. The law is spiritual, meaning it's speaking a spiritual word. We were carnal, sold under sin. And so we read the law carnally, and we thought the law prophesied of what we needed to do to establish our own righteousness. So we never attained to the righteousness we were seeking because it was all the time trying to get our faith to be toward God's righteousness towards us. You need love in your life? God's not telling you to love people. He's telling you I'll serve you with love. You need joy in your life? He's not telling you you should be joyful. He's telling you, I'll give you joy. You need peace? You need to be set free from offense? You need to be set free from hatred and envy and gossiping and backbiting? He's not telling you you need to fix that. He's telling you he'll make it straight. That's what the law said. The law pointed to faith towards God. And in fact, it didn't say, thou shalt believe in God. It painted a picture that was with the intent where something would come alive inside of you where you would say, Abba. Why do you think Jesus said Abba? Where do you think he got it from? The law. <laughs> oh, let's just go ahead and quote Jesus. Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You're doing all these things in the law, trying to establish your own righteousness, thinking that the law is telling you to do these things so you could be righteous in the eyes of God. What was you? You pay tithe of mint, 10% of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faith. These should you have done and left the other undone. Do you see how you weigh scripture? So you think you read Paul saying the law is not of faith. Jesus comes and says the weightier matter of the law, the thing the law is actually prophesying of, is the justice God will serve you with because he's full of mercy towards your life. That will bring forth faith in your heart towards God and not in your own strength. That's the weightier matters of the law. That's what the law is actually prophesying of. You know, none of us would have ever been confused about God condemning us if we knew what the law always said. None of us would have ever thought God was angry at us when we weren't doing the right thing if we knew what the law actually said. We would see that God doesn't expect me to do these things. God has promised he'll serve me with these things. Abba, 
So in the day we found ourselves naked, not bearing the fruit of life, we would have never thought God was condemning us, but we would always come running up into the holiest place, jumping in the lap of Abba and saying, Daddy, I need love. You see, but because these Hebrew guys didn't understand the beginning oracles of God, the beginning of the doctrine of Christ, when they started seeing corruption all around their lives, they reverted back to trying to perfect their own lives from sin and death through the law, through performing the works of the law. They were unskilled in the word of righteousness. They didn't see the weightier matter of the law, that all the works of the law were actually talking about having faith towards God and the lamb he would provide. It's amazing how these things are all in the scriptures. Like, sometimes I just want to move on to evangelizing because I could just come in here today and preach an evangelistic message about God is our David. And everybody would be like, wow, that felt nice on my skin. And it would be nice. But we have such an ignorance in our hearts concerning God that, like, I'm in a season of laying the foundation. And there is going to come a time where I'm just going to evangelize these things we said because we will have said them. But we need, like, Bible teaching. We need to understand what the scriptures actually said. So here's another verse. The man Moses, the one who got the law, the beginning of the oracles of God, the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. Do you know the stones he got that law on? Sapphire stone. The Bible says that the throne of grace was made out of sapphire. Sapphire is a picture of grace. God gave Moses the beginning oracles of Christ on sapphire stones. Because he was declaring, this law I'm giving you is filled with the strength in my life and the power I have in myself to consume sin and death. You might think, how can that be? Well, the man Moses, right after he got the law in Exodus 20, 20, listen to what he says. God has given you this law so your fear would be before him. Sounds like faith to me. Now listen, guys, we can get it twisted. The fear of the Lord does not mean to be afraid of him. Moses isn't saying, God gave you this law so you would be very scared of God. <laughs> God did not give you this law so that it would be like him hiding behind the corner of a door and he could jump out and say, boo, and scare you. The fear of the Lord is for his strength, God's strength, to be exalted in your eyes on account of you seeing the love he has in his heart for you. It's where you see this guy loves me so much. He's going to pick up my life. He's going to fill me with the wine of his life. He's going to make a place for me to stay with him in his house. He loves me so much. And then his strength to serve you with life, to make a place for you, becomes exalted in your heart. That's what the fear of the Lord is. That's what Moses is talking about when he says, God has given you this law so your fear would be before him. So you would see what he's going to do to protect you and cleanse you from sin and death. And when you saw what he was going to do, all of a sudden, his love for you would be exalted in your heart and you would be put to rest. You would enter the rest that comes from seeing the love he has in his heart for you and that he provided himself a lamb. Amen. <laughs> so what, really what Moses is saying is, don't be afraid, guys. He starts off with, don't be afraid. So he's not telling you he's giving you this so you can be afraid. 
Because listen, it can be a terrifying thing when you hear the voice of the Lord and you're busy with the carnal mind and you don't hear the words. All you hear is a shaking. And you're like, oh my goodness, the Lord descended on that mountain. <laughs> you're right? You think you're afraid if you're up on the mountain snowboarding and an avalanche comes. You think that's a shaking. <laughs> Imagine God himself descend upon a mountain and start talking. If you don't understand his language, you can be very stressed out. And so they didn't understand the language. They were carnal, sold under sin. And so Moses comes and says, listen, man, don't be afraid. God gave you this law so your fear would be before him. What he's saying is God gave you the law so your faith would be towards him and not your own works. He sees you're missing the mark. He sees you're not experiencing the rest that comes from walking in his good work. So he's given this law so that we not miss the mark, so he could clearly put in front of our faces the work he would do through his lamb and that that would serve us with rest. That's why he did it. You guys following all this? Does this make sense? I'm telling you, th this isn't even so much of a thing as I got to process this intellectually and I got to apply it to my life. What I want to say to you is in the wrong understanding of what God said in the law being ripped out of your heart, it's going to have a subconscious supernatural effect of stability in your life is what's going to happen. Because you're no longer going to be confused about your own working and what God thinks when you find death. You're going to instinctively, immediately look to the lamb that he provided. You're going to look to the faith that was revealed in Jesus immediately. That's right. I'm going to say that again for everybody in case you didn't hear. The initial immunity is in the milk. <laughs> Courtesy of our good friend Tom over here. Hebrews 1 says, Therefore, leaving the beginning of the doctrine of Christ. Now, if you don't understand the beginning of the doctrine of Christ is talking about the law, you could be thinking, why are we going to leave Christ? What kind of sense does that make? Well, because that's what I used to always think. What are we leaving Christ? Where are we going then? I mean, when, when everybody left Jesus and he said, will you leave too? What did they say? Yeah, it's time to move on. You're just the beginning. We're on the better thing. Where will we go, Lord? You have the words of life. Therefore, leaving the beginning doctrine of Christ. That's talking about the law. So I'm just going to read this into the text for us. Therefore, leaving behind the law Moses received, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. You see what he's saying there? He's telling you what the message of the law is. It laid the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. It laid the foundation from where you would turn away from trusting in your own works. That's a dead work. Do you know why? You can't pick up your own life. You can't sanctify yourself from sin and death. And anything you would do to do that, it's a dead work. And the law laid the foundation from where you could see that and from where you could see that God's the only one that can sanctify you from sin and death and your faith might be before him. The law laid the foundation of that. It introduced us to that. That's the message the law was always talking about. It laid the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Isn't that the same thing we see in Jesus? Doesn't Jesus even bring it out more on the cross? What do you think's trying to happen inside of our hearts when we see Jesus on the cross? Do you know what he's trying to tell us? 
The best your works can give you is this. This is the result of you trying to find life by your works. I did everything perfectly in the earth. I did nothing wrong. I loved perfectly. I performed everything perfectly, and look what I got. That is the fulfillment. That's not the foundation. That's the concrete of what will cause us to repent from trying to cleanse ourselves from sin and death by our own works. I'm silly. I know I'm seeing very serious, but I'm pretty silly. I'm a silly person. I'm serious about you experiencing life. And I'm serious about the confusion you have in your heart about God being removed. I'm serious about you having the story you've compiled about God from the things you were taught wrongly about the law and about God. I'm, having, I'm, I'm for those things. I'm passionate for those things to be removed. So you can start singing the same story Jesus sung. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who I am. And I'm loved by you. You see? Foundation, that word foundation, not laying again the foundation. Do you know what that foundation, that word means in the Greek? This is what Mounts' lexicon. For those of you that love studying the scriptures, I found this new lexicon called Mounts'. I don't know that it's new, but I just recently found it. And so I love quoting it. Mounts' lexicon, this is what it says about the word foundation. A foundation laid in elementary instruction. Elementary instruction. Listen to what it goes on to say. A foundation of a superstructure of faith, doctrine, or hope. A foundation laid in the commencement of the preaching of the gospel. Now, that's grace, people. God bless us. Because at least we see that God doesn't want us working for life now. But what we've said about the law and the way we've looked at the law is to uproot the foundation from where we believe what we believe. This is what Strong says. Something put down. That is a substruction of a building, literally or figuratively. This is what Thayer says. Laid down as a foundation, the foundation of a building, wall, or city. Metaphorically, the foundations, beginnings, first principles of an institution or system of truth. So yeah, the law came by Moses, but the revelation that the truth contained in the law was full of grace was revealed by Jesus Christ. Because we didn't see it. We were carnal, sold under sin. The law was spiritual. The law was speaking spirit and life. And we were busy carnal. We couldn't hear the language it spoke of. We read the law through our death, through the body of death, instead of the life that's in God. So guys, Christ is the foundation. Make no mistake about it. And the law is the beginning of the foundation that is Christ. Like I said with the two-by-fours. We just saw, my wife and I on the interstate, we just saw these big holes dug out by the interstate in Slidell. And these big holes were dug out, and they had the two-by-fours laid in there. Three different holes. 
they put that, I don't, and I'm, maybe I'm wrong, I'm not a construction guy, maybe it's not two by fours, but it's some other measurement of wood. They lay that pattern out before they dump concrete into it. And so make no mistake, Christ is the foundation, but the law is the two by fours laid in there by which the concrete is laid upon. Say that again? Forum. The form. It's the form. So the law was laying the foundation from where we could find ourselves turning away from trusting in our own works for life and instead trust in the work of God. The doctrine contained in the law. Do you know what it was supposed to do inside of us? It was supposed to bring forth meekness in us. Why do you think Jesus was meek? Where do you think he learned that? The doctrine contained in the law was supposed to bring forth meekness in us. It was supposed to lay the foundation from where we could find ourselves thinking nothing of our own ability. Nothing of our own ability to cleanse ourselves from sin and death and to inherit the blessing of life and from where we would think everything of God's ability to serve us with those things as a gift. That's what meekness is. Meekness is to think nothing of your own strength to bring forth life and to cleanse from sin and death and to think everything of God's strength. That's why Jesus later come and said, take my yoke upon you. That's his doctrine. The word yoke is a Jewish rabbi term. It means take my doctrine upon you. And in fact, if you were studying under a rabbi, one who was anointed to be a rabbi and not just a scribe, you would take their yoke upon you. That's what you said. That was the evidence you were their disciple. He says, take my yoke upon you for what? I am meek and my doctrine is light and it's easy. Why is it light and it's easy? Because it makes nothing of your ability to justify yourself with life in the presence of God. And it makes everything of God's ability. And where did he get that from? The law. <laughs> when the rich young ruler came to Jesus, it said, good master. And Jesus saw the foundation from where he was calling Jesus good. Was he, thought, he looked at Jesus' works. And he thought Jesus was good because of his works. Jesus being full of meekness, thinking nothing of his own ability and thinking everything of the Father's ability because he read it in the law, says there's one who's good. The law is telling you there's one who's good. That's what it was always saying to us, guys, that there's one who's good. Not meaning good doesn't mean beautiful. Good means there's one who can produce life. There's one who can conquer death. There's one that can bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. There's one who can heal from the works of the flesh. And it ain't you. That's what the law was trying to tell you. We busy thinking, oh, the law wants me to do this and the law wants me to do that. No, no, no. Uh. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Strong meat. That's the faith. That's the faith that came in Jesus. Faith is the substance. Faith is the strong meat that we've always desired. Who was it that did that? Ray Vila, man, after the Bible study the other night, he made this funny meme that he sent to me. And it's this guy with a, uh, some type of metal rod with a big piece of meat stuck on the end of it, and he's feeding it into people's mouths. And I posted on the Bible study page because I thought it was so funny. He made a meme and he says, Greg Hendry feeding the people meat. 
<laughs> That's so funny, man. Because it's like I'm forcing to get in there. You know, I got this big old thing. Don't worry, I, we just get it in there. The Holy Spirit will digest it. <laughs> I love you, Ray. <laughs> uh, but strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. Maturity, sonship, growing in the stature of their sonship. They've grown in the stature of their sonship because they see correctly what the law said. Right? It's easy for them to gravitate or to behold or to live their lives in the earth by beholding the faith that was in Jesus instead of all the time beholding themselves in their own works and the death they see in their own life and the death they see in the world. Strong meat belongs to them who are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hmm. I love getting in a room with theologians. I might catch me if you can. <laughs> catch me if you can. <laughs> Amen. I was, good at, I was always good at dodgeball. I was always the last one left. Ironically. <laughs> it's not, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, Doug, but our Father in heaven. <laughs> okay. Strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their exer senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The law is what exercise, supposed to exercise your senses to be able to, to discern what is good and what is evil. The law is the milk. It's the milk that would exercise your senses to be, dis to be able to discern good and evil. You might be thinking, what? How could that be? Well, the Hebrews weren't able to discern what was the good way and what was the evil way when they encountered the sin and death in the world because they didn't understand the word that was in the law. They went back to trying to cleanse themselves through their own sacrifices and their own works. Their senses had not yet been exercised to discern what was the good way and what was the evil way. The law is the milk. And the law was never about you performing thou shouts and thou shalt nots. It was supposed to exercise our senses. It was meant to be. We have the Holy Spirit doing this to us now. But the Holy Spirit's the spirit of the law. That's why it says the law is spiritual. And so God's like, I got to get this thing inside of them. And then that was the turn. The law was meant to be like a two-edged sword, dividing asunder that which was carnal from that which was spiritual. It was supposed to come in and discern the way that was good for us and the way that was evil. Because the Israelites were all the time being bit by the serpent. I'm sorry if you think that they were being bit by God, but the serpent is not God. And why were they being bit by the serpent? Because there was a way that seemed right unto them, and that way was how they were going to have life by their own strength by the strength of the flesh. Well, that way was the evil way, and it was killing them. So God gave them the law, so this law could discern for them the way that was good and the way that was evil. But they didn't see what the law said, so when the time came when they were encountering corruption and they were encountering persecution because they believed on Jesus as the Messiah, when the time came that they needed to be cleansed from the corruption they saw, their senses hadn't been exercised to discern good and evil because they didn't know what the law said. And they went back to trying to perform the works of the law. They went back to looking at their own strength. They went back to feeling condemned in the presence of God when they didn't see the fruit of life because they didn't see the law uh, dividing asunder the way that was good and the way that was evil. 
The law was supposed to show us it's evil to pick up the weight of trying to perfect your own life. It's evil to think you're going to inherit blessing by what you can do for God. It's evil to think that you are going to find acceptance in the presence of God by you perfecting your own life. It's evil to think that. Evil meaning that way is near unto cursing. And what I mean by it's near unto cursing, picking up the weight of trying to perfect yourself from the sin and death in the world, it only can produce a life that's perishing. That's why it's evil. That's why it's near unto cursing. That kind of a life is actually perishing from this earth right now. It's perishing from the earth right now. That way could only ever serve you with death. It could only ever produce a life of sweating from the brow. It could never perfect you from the spots and blemishes that come from sin and death. That's why it's evil. You know what God thinks is evil? It's evil for my people to die. And anything that serves my people with death is evil. And so he came to show us that that way where we thought we could cleanse ourselves from sin and death, that way is evil. And it's near unto cursing, meaning it's headed to the second death. The law it was supposed to discern the good way. It was supposed to show us it is good to look unto God to pick up our lives instead of taking up our lives ourselves. It's good to see God's good pleasure is to take up your life. That's the good way. It's God's good pleasure to take up your life. The law was trying to show you, yes, you need your life to be picked up. You're right. But it's God's good pleasure to pick up your life. And the reason why the law called that the good way is because it would result in you being served with an indestructible life and you experiencing or entering the rest that comes from God's indestructible life. That's why it's good. And you know why faith pleases God? It's not like this thing where God's disappointed in you, but if you can believe, then he's happy with you. The reason why faith pleases God is because it serves you with life and he thinks it's evil for you to die. The reason why faith pleases God is because faith purifies our hearts from fear and God thinks it's evil for people he created to be filled with love to find fear born in their heart. And that's what the law was saying. You think this feeling you have is, is evil? You think the death you see in your life and all around you is evil? You think it's not right that you're encountering these things? God thinks it's evil too. Look what he's going to do to save you from it. <laughs> huh. Well, you might say, is discerning good and evil the same thing as living by the knowledge of good and evil? I mean, I thought we weren't supposed to eat from that tree. Well, discerning good and evil isn't the same as living by the knowledge of good and evil. Discerning the way that is unto life and the way that it is unto death is not trying to find life by your knowledge that life is good and death is evil. And so discerning good and evil isn't eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What it, what it actually is, is being able to discern between the two trees. <laughs> that's what it is you're you're able to discern that this tree will serve me with death and this tree will serve me with life and if you want to keep getting into the scriptures and bring this out it's the discerning of spirits 
where you're able to discern the difference between the spirit of God and the antichrist spirit. Where you're able to discern the difference between the wisdom that's from above and the wisdom that's from below. It's Satan that was found with iniquity in his heart. And what was that iniquity? I will exalt myself by my ability to gather life to myself. It's being able to discern that wisdom cometh not from above. It's being able to discern that the law never had that wisdom in it. Right? It's being able to discern the Lord's body, the discerning of good and evil. It's being able to discern that the power to be cleansed from sin and death is contained in the body and blood of Jesus and not in the strength of the flesh. That's the discerning of what is good and what is evil. And I'll, I'll say it like this. You're never going to find me trying to build a house. I'm only ever going to look to someone else's strength to build me a house. I mean, people that are in here that, that have some knowledge of me already, like my, our brother Mike here. I mean, I have these rocks from Golgotha, from Shelley, and we're going to put them in this cross. I can't even fashion this little cross to put the rocks in, right? I'm not even going to try to do that myself. Mike's going to do it because, like, I can't do it. So I'm only ever going to look to someone else's ability, someone else's strength to build me a house. The, the reason is I've discerned that if I want the house to be able to stand up, if I want the house to have things like running water and electricity and stuff like that, I cannot look to my own strength to build the house. And what I want to say with the letter to the Hebrews, my senses have been exercised. To see the good way, the good way is the way where I'll have a roof over my head and running water. My senses have been exercised to see the good way is to, to have those things is to look to someone else's strength and not my own. My wife can testify to these things. And my senses have been exercised to see the evil way. The evil way is the way where I will try and build the house myself. And because I look to my own ability, I'm like the two little piggies whose house got blown over or blown down by the big bad wolf. That's what the author of Hebrews is talking about. These guys couldn't discern the evil way was for them to try to perfect themselves from sin and death. So they were looking to the strength in their flesh because they felt tormented by the death they saw in their lives. And they thought the death was a sign God was ashamed of them because they didn't know the law, never told them they needed to clothe themselves with life. That shame still has a voice in your heart if you think the law ever said God expects you to do this. You're preaching shame if you preach that. So we'll finish with this, guys. The law was like a setup man. A setup man. You know, like the guy that comes on before and then exits, stage left, and then the, the real act? Like in a concert, you have the opening act, and then you have the other act. Well, they're in unison, the acts. They're all there for the audience. And so the law was a setup man. And if, if, if you were to see the message contained in the law clearly, the end result of that is you would all the time be looking unto Jesus living in this world. You wouldn't have any problems looking unto Jesus. It would happen subconsciously in you. And you wouldn't be looking to the strength in your own hand or the strength that is in the world even. It was easy for me not to look to the strength in my own hand as I kept walking out of grace. The last bastion in me was I still didn't understand looking to the strength in the world would still serve me with death. 
Like, if I could fix the life in the world, that can serve me with life. That's the evil way. <laughs> That's the evil way. So you see what happens when you're able to digest the milk of the law. You become skilled in the word of righteousness. It has a subconscious effect where your eye is set on the faith that was revealed in Jesus. You see that the power of God to form his life in you is contained in the faith that came in Jesus and not your own working to perfect your life or perfect this world. Subconscious effect in you where straight away you're like, no, that's the evil way. Sometimes I'm amazed when I walk in the world and I'm like, well, don't, doesn't, the, doesn't the grace people, don't they see? No, they don't see because they're unskilled in the word of righteousness. It's difficult to see what the cross is declaring to you if you don't first understand what the law is declaring to you. I often wonder why people didn't see what Paul saw at the cross. Why he, how he saw that the best he had to offer could only produce this because he first saw that's what the law was telling him. Ah, oh. so guys, much of what body, much of what ails the body of Christ and keeps them from walking in the full measure of the stature of sonship, both, both the grace church that came out of Egypt, both them and the people that still are trapped in Egypt. The thing that ails all of us and keeps us from walking in the full measure of the stature of sonship is on account of us not understanding what the doctrine contained in the law said and not seeing that the law in Jesus said the same thing. If you haven't digested the milk yet, it's going to be very difficult for you to reach full age. You might want to reach full age. You might see God desires for you to reach full age. You might say out of your mouth, I'm a son and daughter of God. All the while inside, you're still struggling with condemnation all the time. You're still struggling with believing you're righteous. You're still struggling all the time trying to battle with this identity thing. Am I a son or am I not? And you think that's the war. Listen, if the war, if you're struggling to believe you're a son or a daughter of God, then that means you hadn't seen what the law said. And that's the problem. I, listen, I feel grieved when I encounter death. There's things I don't like. There's things I say that's not right, and I feel angst about it. I promise you this. It's been a long time since I thought I ain't the son. A long time. I ain't struggling with no identity thing, and it ain't because there's something good about me. It's because God made straight my crooked view of the law. And now I become skilled that the word contained in the law was always about the righteousness of the Father. The Father doth work. And now what I find is because I've seen that, the foundation has been laid properly on Christ. And now as I walk in this world, I'm no longer beholding what I can do to make my life straight. I'm beholding the work of the Father. And I promise you what you're going to start seeing out of me is the same thing Jesus said. I only do what I see the Father doing. And what will happen is the Father will start being made manifest out of me as I walk through this earth. Because I ain't got no confusion about what's in his heart. Or what was in his heart. Or what's in his heart now. Or what might be in his heart tomorrow. Right? If you hadn't digested the milk, it'll be a struggle for you to reach full age. You'll end up being slothful with the word of truth. Those people in Hebrews were slothful with the word of truth because they thought the law said something different than God said in Jesus. You think the law says something different than what God said in Jesus? You ain't even got to try to be slothful. You're going to end up in a slothful place because you're going to end up being intimate with a different word or wrestling with a different word. 
You'll end up being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You'll end up being a forgetful hearer. You'll forget what type of a person you are. You'll end up falling prey to the temptation that's common to man. You'll struggle to grow in the stature of subject where you struggle to enter the rest that's contained in the work of God. You notice all the letters that talks about people struggling to enter the, their sonship? All of it came because they didn't understand the law. Forgetful hearer. They had a misunderstanding of the law, so they went back to trying to be perfected through the law. They encountered tribulation and death. And because they still thought God was upset with people over their works, they were back to thinking this death is a sign I'm doing something wrong and God's unhappy. They were forgetful hearers. The, the Hebrews, slothful. The Galatians didn't understand what the law said, so what were they doing? Walking after the flesh. Mm. If you don't see the milk and understand what it is, you'll find yourself living, even though you know the truth, you'll still find yourself living by the sweat of your brow. I just got to be honest for myself. Everybody doesn't have to be this way. I think that was more of a cursed life than just being under the law. I think it was more of a cursed life after I knew I didn't have to live from the sweat of my brow, but I still was. After I knew I was a son, but I still struggled, right? I mean, before I didn't even know, so I just thought this was the right way, right? And I'm pretty good at picking up a burden. You'll still live by the sweat of your brow trying to perfect your own life from sin and death. And I don't just mean bad fruit. I mean like when something that isn't right manifests in the earth and in your life. You don't understand what the law says? You're going to be tempted to pick up the sword. You're going to be tempted to perfect your life from whatever you see wrong around you. And it will be because you're unskilled in the word of righteousness. And you hadn't seen that God has already perfected your life from the sin and death and the corruption in this world. So in the day you feel pressed in on by the corruption you see, you ain't thinking about how you're going to perfect your own life from sin and death because you see the foundation that the law laid pertaining to the doctrine of Christ, but you find yourself looking to the work of God to perfect you already from sin and death. When you see the corruption in the earth, you're not being tempted or you're not falling prey to the temptation to try to fix the earth, but you're looking to the work God did in his lamb to perfect the earth already. Right? Does that make sense? You guys see that? This is the Gospel Revolution Church Bible College. And who knows all the different forms that it will take. And I hope it continues to take other forms. Um, but God's making straight the, the faith and the doctrine that the church has tried to build themselves upon. And the reason why is because we built ourselves upon a faulty foundation. And it isn't just the world that got shook the last two or three years. The church was shaken. Do you know why the church was shaken? Because it was unskilled in the word of righteousness. It had not yet digested the milk. So when the world around us started to shake, we didn't look to the faith that was revealed in Jesus. But we're all once again looking at our lives and all the things that are happening to our lives. And what are we going to do to protect our lives? Instead of connecting with the faith that was revealed in Jesus, which God hath perfected us. Right? Glory to God. Thank you guys so much for being here with me today. I feel very happy about this message. I've preached many messages about the law. I think this is the best one. Um, Father, we just thank you for your love for us. We thank you that, uh, man, you didn't just, you're not like Greg Henry and you just try to force meat in people's mouths. We're thankful that you came and, and fed us with milk first, Lord. Thank you, Father, that uh, 
you're bringing to light the milk of the gospel and how the word that was in the law um, was never a word of what you demanded from us, but it was actually you feeding us with milk so that we could digest the strong meat, which is the faith that would be revealed in Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you're making all of our thoughts about you and our hearts straight, that you're removing this confusion in our hearts where we think you were one way in the Old Testament and a different way in the New Testament. Thank you, Father, that you were the same yesterday, today, and you'll be the same tomorrow. Thank you, Lord, that that's the view that will be planted in our heart and let every other view of you be plucked out and removed as far as the East is from the West. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here.